The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCSO Services. VCSO Services' mission and calling is to provide quality cybersecurity and information security consulting and expertise for small and mid-sized businesses. While they are a leading provider of qualified and experienced virtual CISOs, they offer much more. Check them out at vcsoservices.com. I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. We've got Leon Cooperman here joining us today. Leon, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Greg. How are you? Very good. So Leon is the co-founder and CTO of Cast AI, formerly a vice president of security products OCI at Oracle. His professional experience spans across technical com tech companies, rather, such as IBM, Truition, and hosted PCI, and founded and served as the CTO of Zen ZenEdge, an enterprise security company protecting large enterprises with, with a cl cloud WAF and a whole bunch of other things. So, Leon, appreciate you joining us. Would love to hear your story about how you got into IT and cyber, why you did it, because it's sometimes a pretty rough field to get into. And what led you ultimately to become an entrepreneur and to start up Cast AI? Yeah, that's that. That's a great question. I, I think I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. Like so, like I think I had one real job at IBM before before I went off on my own. But the I wasn't a security person, so I was a software engineer by trade. Graduated uh, in computer science and went to work on a whole bunch of software products. Started at IBM, and my focus at that time was actually e-commerce. So back in 1998 or whenever it was. Online transaction processing was fairly new, and I was fortunate enough to be on those teams that brought some of the first e-commerce adopters online. And then my cyber journey started when I was attacked in one of those e-commerce companies. Right? I was uh, acting as the chief technology officer for a, a large online seller, and uh, it was a it was before Bitcoin, so the ransomware wasn't even a, a Bitcoin ransomware. It was a Western Union request, and it was a DDoS Absolutely. attack that said, look, we're going to bring down your, your whole online operation until you pay us $5,000 USD and wire the money to Siberia. I, I, I couldn't make this up in, 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 in a more, it, it, it was such a dramatic event. We were, you know, doing about, uh, well, well, you know, in the, in the seven figure range per day of revenue, and every day we were down was costing the business. And my CEO was like, you're not paying this ransom. You got to figure it out from a, from a tech perspective. So uh, we actually ended up paying the ransom in the end. And the, the most amazing part of the story is at the end, the attacker says, emails me. This is all over email. He's like, you've been such a great customer. Give me a couple of competitors. We'll attack those for free. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want any services for you. <laughs> I, I'm sorry for laughing, and I don't want to say that's awesome, but that that kind of surprised me. And I was drinking, uh, having a sip of my cup of coffee at, at that moment, so I'm glad I didn't choke. So, um, all right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so that, so all, all this, all good business ideas come from a need, right? So, necessity mm -hmm. is the mother of invention, as they say, and that that's when the idea of Zenage was born, and it was designed to be a online uh, web application firewall in the cloud. This was right around the time where Cloudflare was starting. Akamai was still very nascent in their capabilities with DDoS. They just starting to think about buying Prolexic and uh, the idea for Zenage was born and we went off and built that company. That's awesome. And then from there? 
So, so um, Oracle, so we were pretty fortunate in that uh, Oracle ended up acquiring uh, the ZenEdge technology to integrate into their cloud. And it, and it does have a bridge into kind of the cast business, which I'll tell you about in a second, but because we deployed all ZenEdge uh, nodes in AWS across the world, around the world in every region, it was quite expensive to run. The cost of goods sold was pretty expensive. And we had this kind of ongoing tension between onboarding very large customers onto the platform and our cloud bill. And that was the, the necessity that spawned the idea for Cast AI, which we can talk about later. But uh, in between that, I, I, I did another uh, cyber uh, gig a company called Cujo AI, which was an uh, a, uh, online uh, security defense system from home users, because the idea was is that we have lots of enterprise software for protecting customers, but very few people can protect their webcams and their home environments, which are so easily hackable. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Cujo ended up getting integrated with the Comcast and Charter router stacks. So that was, that was great. And then, so those were two kind of cyber uh, companies, but at Oracle, I had the opportunity to run a very large customer facing product organization for security products. So everything that OCI sells to customers for security was under kind of my umbrella, which was an amazing experience, both culturally and scaling of teams. So that's kind of the breadth of the cyber, my cyber background. Well, it's kind of interesting. I think that, uh, you know, sometimes I always ask folks what, what they think that the greatest threat to small and mid-sized businesses in the cyberspace is. And a lot of times people will say ransomware, but people don't realize that there has been that, that model around for, for many, many years. I think you said that it was back to 98, except for that back then. Uh, it wasn't Bitcoin. It was being paid uh, Western Union. And um, so very interesting that, that that has been around for a while. And right after we take a very short break, we'll come back and we'll talk about some uh, threats to small and mid-sized businesses and really then dive into Cast AI. Bitdefender provides cybersecurity solutions with leading security, efficacy, performance, and ease of use to small and medium businesses, mid-market enterprises, and consumers. Guided by a vision to be the world's most trusted cybersecurity solutions provider, Bitdefender is committed to defending organizations and individuals around the globe against cyber attacks to transform and improve their digital experience. So, Leon, um, I don't know if you're going to say that the most significant threat is ransomware, but I would be curious to get your input right now as to what the most significant threat to particularly small and mid-sized businesses are for, from a cybersecurity perspective. Yeah, Greg, I'll just mention I'm running Bitdefender on my machine right now, so I was pretty, it was pretty cool to see that ad. Um, oh, that's awesome. And, and we didn't even plan that. <laughs> so. <laughs> Like, look, if you're running a Mac, there, there's, uh, it's one of the, the lighter weight uh, endpoint detection pieces of software you can run. So anyway, for my, whatever my, my little two cent endorsement is worth, but um, the, uh, going back to your question on threat, I think the threat landscape has actually changed a lot. And I'll tell you what I think the looming threat is now. Uh, uh, people are particularly susceptible to social engineering. Social engineering is a laborious task to do at scale, or it was a laborious task to do at scale. With large language models like ChatGPT and BARD, it's becoming a lot easier to create 
imagine I can load in context into ChatGPT everything I know about uh, Greg Schaefer and then ask for uh, ask the, the bot to create realistic looking sites that you are likely to interact with and then put those sites up automatically with something like AutoGPT. Now, I, I don't want to give uh, criminals any ideas, but this is they're already thinking about it in these contexts anyway. So the, the real threat is, is that uh, generative AI can create social engineering at scale across millions of people. It's already been a massive problem for banks, for example, for financial institutions. There's already a certain percentage of fraud that occurs. But I think the social engineering aspect of bank fraud and other financial fraud will significantly increase as these social engineering attacks become faster and smarter at the same time. Well, we traditionally, as security practitioners, have told people the the, the basic um, instructions, if you will, to to not make yourself a victim are to look at the phishing email, look for uh, bad grammar, look for um, out-of-band notifications, or is this out of the behavior of like what you would get from someone? But now it sounds like that basically all of those um, uh, teaching instructions really are going to have to go out the window. So, so, so what is a small, what, what is any business to, how can, how could they defend against something like that? Well, I, I think it's obviously becoming a harder problem for defenders, but they're like, we've seen announcements from Microsoft and from Google around generative AI tooling for their security offerings, right? So we're going to have to get faster and better at looking at phishing emails uh, and uh, social engineering phishing attacks through like impersonated websites. But the problem just gets harder because attackers just have to be right a few times, a handful of times. As defenders, we have to be right 100% of the time, or we have a we have a security breach. So it's it's a, it's an uphill problem. I'm I'm not sure. I think my my gut feeling is is that whoever can leverage these AI models most effectively ends up kind of taking the lead. Whether it's a defender or attacker, we don't know yet. And of course, AI is uh, really being uh, leveraged in so many different areas, ways, shapes, and forms. And if I understand correctly. Um, that that's one of the things that uh, that's really the, the foundation of cast AI, that you're using AI to help to optimize compute resources. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So our, our whole premise is we have a couple of premises for the business. The, the first one is we believe the world is moving to containerization. So mm -hmm. um, most applications will be de deployed in some form of container. And if that's true, if our bet is true, then, we're taking a bet that Kubernetes is going to be the, the kind of end state platform or some cousin of Kubernetes will be the end state platform for container management. That What that gives us, if we make those two assumptions, is we have rules of engagement, meaning Kubernetes is a well-understood control plane. Uh, the APIs are well-understood. The rules of those objects inside of the ecosystem are well-understood, which means we can teach a computer to play that game. So rather than having human beings administer nodes and pods and where all of those things go and the rules behind deployments, we can allow that a lot of that to be automated. And what that means is we can, we're not taking jobs away from DevOps engineers, we're elevating them to work on higher order, more important business tasks and leaving the low level kind of machine level or infrastructure management to the computer. And we're, as a result, we're faster at it. 
because the machine is driving and we're much more cost effective. So one of the benefits is, is one of the benefits is DevOps time because we all have the kind of shortage of those resources. Right. But the other benefit is, is that we're able to make smarter real-time decisions based on market supply and demand and give you only the infrastructure you need in an ephemeral way, which just, just drops your cloud bill drastically. So this is a little bit outside of my um, wheelhouse. And as far as um, if I were to say that, that if I had to pick an area of information security that I'm the weakest, it's definitely cloud security. And part of that, I think, is, is based on the, the way how I have progressed in my career. Cloud is not something that was around 20 years ago, for example. So, so can you give me like a, a, a simple real world example how this helps. I know you talked about that, that uh, in general, it can help um, DevOps being much more efficient because they're not really working on the nuts and bolts of some of the tasks. And that can free them up to do more of the, the stuff that they're really paid to do. But, but a real world business example to, to give me a picture, is, is that possible? Yeah. Let me give you an example from a, for a pharmaceutical customer that and I won't give, give the name. Um, just just to protect their identity but so they want to run <clears throat> they want to run simulations across millions of what they call these patient records virtual patients right so they want to run a mathematical simulation that's written in you know, r or matlab or maybe python they have to suck in the patient records and it's batch job uh, based right so their their scientists or their data scientists have a choice they can try to run those models immediately and that's what they do now they just run them right now and whatever the cost is is what the cost is for what they call on-demand computers in the cloud so if you're not familiar with the nomenclature basically on-demand means there's a list price you pay per hour when you don't need it you shut it off right mm -hmm. but we have a better mechanism where because these clouds all have excess inventory they offer customers a severe discount that severe discount is called spot pricing but it comes with a caveat that we can take that computer away from you within uh, two minutes notice. So imagine you're in the middle of running thousands of computers on in a batch processing, and then some of those computers go away. How do you, it's chaos basically. So right. we manage that and we do it in two ways. First of all, we tell the customer, look, if you're willing to wait for Sunday night at 3 a.m., whatever the, the, the time frame is, this will be 70% cheaper. And we know that because we have price predictive algorithms that are running against those markets. So the customer now has a kayak-like experience for their flight. They can go now and pay more. They can go on Sunday or Saturday and pay less or whenever it is, Friday night. And then the second thing we do is as those interruptions occur, we use AI to understand the interruption patterns and we automatically replace the infrastructure under the covers. It's, it's something at the resolution of 15 seconds. It's not anything a computer could ever, a human could ever keep up with. Okay, so sometimes, and I have to admit, sometimes I sort of like play dumb to ask questions because I know that sometimes some of the listeners and viewers are going to have the same question. And I was not playing dumb with that one. I was being dumb, but that makes complete sense. And, and um, so it's not just an efficiency saving as far as the DevOps go. It's an actual, could be a, a hugely, I think you said like 70% cost savings there. Yeah, we have some customers that are pretty well optimized and they may only save 30 or 40%. And then other people who are, sandbagging you know the term like every engineer puts a little bit on top of, for a resource perspective and before you know you have infrastructure that's 5x the, the size 
that it needs to be because no one wants to get woken up in the middle of the night for a downtime issue because there's not enough compute resource. Well, sure. I mean, that's how in Star Trek, that's how Scotty said that he keeps his reputation as a miracle worker. He just, you know, has a fudge factor in there, pa pads it all up and all that. So, um, OK, so it, it's it is pronounced cast AI, right? That's right. And you all started in 2018. Do you um, have a specific you mentioned healthcare? Do you have a specific vertical that you that you uh, cater to or are you uh, basically any vertical? So we started the business in 2020. I think it was maybe incorporated a little earlier than that, but um, I joined in 2020. And I, I, um, mis I misread the website wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Um, so it's like, the business is uh, just, we're, get, we're coming to our third birthday, if you will. Um, it's grown dramatically. And we have customers that span most geographies uh, and most industries. And only recently have we started like have the larger organizations like in the Fortune 100 have they started to realize that they need automation. They need to kind of move away from these manual practices in order to get to the economies of scale that they need. And Greg, this is the perfect time for our business because everyone is looking at the cloud bill. If you look at the AWS kind of um, the earnings call, their last earnings call, Andy Jassy basically said, look, all of our customers are like, looking to figure out how to save money in the cloud. And that's true across all cloud providers. So it's kind of the perfect storm for us where we have an economic downturn. We have a lot of waste in cloud resources and we have an automation solution that's going to help customers with that problem. And so is this something that is the, the smaller side of the business spectrum can use? And, and where I'm coming from with that is uh, some of the folks that we work with, they're relatively small organizations, but as part of them being small and efficient, they heavily leverage like say AWS or, or I mean, so these are folks that are already stressed with regards to resources as it is. Is this something that would potentially benefit them or is it more for like, say, mid-sized markets, mid-sized companies? Yeah, rule of, like anyone can use our tool and we have a freemium offering. You can sign up and get all of the reporting features at no cost. So, you, you and, and the sign up, you don't even have to talk to a salesperson to sign up, which is fantastic. That was always one of my wishes with vendors. Um, <laughs> but I would say if your cloud bill is kind of, Anywhere north of let's call it five to ten thousand dollars a month, you can benefit from the solution. If it's kind of south of that, meaning like lower than five grand, like it might be relevant for you to save five hundred bucks a month, but that's really like a, <clears throat> not the core focus. For, we're, we're trying to save in the you know in, in the large kind of hundreds of thousands of dollars a month for customers. Excellent. Okay. Well, no, I I really appreciate that because. Not only myself, but um, my fellow virtual CISOs, it's the same boat. We deal with customers that probably are at in the f at least five to 10K per month of expenses using cloud services, but um, aren't aware of this sort of thing. So, so I think that they could benefit as well, too. Uh, you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast that you pretty much have always been an entrepreneur all of your life. And, and I'm sort of the other way around. I only got into this kind of kicking and screaming. I, it was a calling for me, but I've only been doing it, the entrepreneurship for six years. And I, I will admit, I wish I had done it sooner because there is nothing like working for yourself, first of all. I, I just absolutely love it. But between that and developing a new product, which has a lot of promise and just being in cyber in general, um, it's got to be 
quite stressful. So I always like to ask folks because, well, first of all, I think it's important that we all step away. We can't be working 24 by seven. We're going to burn ourselves out. Most of us, some of us, I think are supermen. I don't know, but um, what's one thing that you do to help decompress? Yeah. And I will tell you that burnout thing, like just from my experience, people burn out in one of two ways, either mentally or physically. Mentally is kind of the safer burnout because you can recover, like you take a month off, two months, go on a sabbatical, change jobs, and you can kind of snap your head back into it. But if your body is damaged, like I had this problem with the heart condition um, because of burning the candle on both ends and not sleeping, right? So what, as a human, what do you have left? Like if you're trying to cram more and more in, sleep suffers and sleep is one of the last things that you should kind of give up <clears throat> mm -hmm. from a longevity perspective. But the thing that I do, um, Greg, to answer your question to kind of decompress is extreme physical exercise in the form of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I, I, that, that is an answer I haven't had yet. I did see, though, I think on your bio that you're a brown belt. Yeah. So BJJ is a form of, it's a grappling art that really, if you remember back in the early 90s, there was this thing called the Ultimate Fighting Championship UFC. Uh -huh. And they're... The first kind of winners were these Brazilian guys. Hoist Gracie was one of them. And they they kind of cleaned the map um, with this new form, this new uh, martial arts form, which isn't really new. It was an ancient form that migrated from Japan to Brazil. It's a long story, uh, but it gained super popularity. It's one of the most popular amateur grappling sports or the most popular amateur grappling sport in the world right now. You know, I, I, I feel a little bit inferior here. It's like, I, I've only done marathons. <laughs> like... Well, I couldn't do a marathon, Greg, so you're, <laughs> you're way ahead of me. That's awesome. Well, what are your, um, both uh, or either really, your future plans and future plans for the company? Well, CAST has a lot to do. I mean, we're growing so quickly and there are so many processes and I really want to keep this personal touch with customers as we grow the business exponentially. So We've got so much, we got years and years of, of development on the cast side. Um, and I'm turning, I, I just turned 50. So I'm kind of at this interesting point in my career as to what is the in world impacting thing that I want to do next. But this is going to take me a while. And we have a lot, a lot of customers and people to help in this cloud space. The reason I'm so passionate about this is not only do we save customers money, but all of these idle computers that are spinning, they're using electricity that is just can be used elsewhere in the grid. They're using cooling that is damaging the environment. So by getting our data centers globally more efficient, I, I really feel we're helping with our portion of the environmental battle. And it's, non, it's a non-trivial CO2 emissions number, right? Um, so so this, is a big, this is a big mission for, for me and my team. And then after that, I really wanna do something like an who knows what the, the landscape will be like. Maybe we'll already have invented uh, a fusion by that point and you know, the whole landscape will change once again. But I really wanna do something kind of in energy generation, storage uh, and environmental effects. It's a completely that, different industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that is com completely ambitious. I, I think it's great. I love the idea about giving back and trying to do something. I, when I hit 50, uh, that's about the time that I started this thing. Uh, it was about the same same general idea, wanted to give back, but on a, on a smaller scale, not not 
reinventing the world, which it sounds like that in some ways that you're you're working towards. So I appreciate that very much. Well, you take big swings. You 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 often have big misses, but I think um, I, I love the way Elon Musk put it. Like you know, when people were criticizing him about the Twitter thing, it's like, what are you doing in this Twitter? Like it's a complete distraction. And like he has this you know real passion and vision around free speech, but his his point was, look. I'm failing fast enough between my decision-making process that I know I'm going to get out of this. You know, like I don't care how many make mistakes I make as long as I learn my way through them and come to a final successful outcome. So I, I kind of take that same fail fast approach and not all ideas are going to work right. Right. Like we all know that. And, and startups have a huge propensity to fail. So mm -hmm. I feel blessed that, well, you're doing something that's successful. I feel like we're on a right trajectory here. So whenever that, startup thing happens and clicks you just got to feel blessed and happy to be part of the journey well that's awesome i really appreciate you sharing your story with us today it's a very interesting story and very interesting product i'm going to have to look up brazilian jiu-jitsu without a doubt just so that i'm sure the website is cast.ai it's pretty easy to remember uh, that's actually kind of awesome that your website is your exact name of the company so it's easy to remember yeah and had I known there was all of this AI froth, right? like when we, we picked the company name and the business model, you know, we didn't know that there was this giant AI bubble coming and a lot of people were talking, you know, I don't know if that helps us or hurts us, but, you know, I'm not going to shy away from what we actually do. So we just have to explain it to people. Absolutely. Well, Leon, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Greg. Really appreciate the great questions. Awesome. Everybody stay secure.